green light. All right, well. <laughs> is that me? <laughs> well, I do have a story to say about uh, Hannah. And uh, I was terrified to meet her because at the time, Jennifer and I were dating and they have been best friends from childhood. And so if I didn't get her okay, I wouldn't be able to be married to my wife. So, <laughs> so I, I, apparently I got the okay, but, uh, but it was terrifying. And I think her, uh, she, you know, she has done so much with the puppet shows uh, every week, in and out. Uh, my wife and her write a puppet show for King's Kids. And it might not seem like a lot of work, but it's a lot of work. And they spend hours on that thing. So I really appreciate her. So, amen. Well, let's turn in our Bibles, if you don't mind, to Acts chapter 20. If you do mind, still turn there anyway. <laughs> in Acts chapter 20. One thing that I do miss in Point Hope, of course, other than our family and friends, is trees. I really do miss trees. And, uh, yeah, I love trees. And I was like, Lord, you sure you want us to go there? There's no trees? That's crazy. But, but I think the Lord, he's, uh, you know, when he calls you someplace, he'll, uh, he'll enable you and give, give you the grace, and he sure has. So uh, people say, oh, you must go to Alaska because you love the fishing, you love the hunting. I don't like doing any of that. <laughs> I don't really care for hunting. I don't mind it. You know, I'll do it. Uh, I don't care for the fishing either. I don't really care for it. And, uh, and I think the Lord called me out there for that because I won't waste time doing it. And I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but, you know, some people can get really into that stuff where it just uh, consumes them. I don't have to worry about it. So praise the Lord for that. So that's not why we're out there. <laughs> but if you don't mind, uh, we do have a prayer card. We just printed them up. I think we got them like five days ago, brand new ones. And uh, they're out on our table right back there. So if you don't mind, at the end of the service, just picking one up or a few up and, and praying for us. We'd really appreciate it. So um, Acts chapter 20. And Acts chapter 20. And look at me in verse 17. We're going to start in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. The Bible says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia... After what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I'm going to be preaching a message tonight on what kind of inheritance are you leaving behind? What kind of inheritance are you leaving behind? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and Lord, I don't take it for granted, Lord. This is a fearful thing to be in another pastor's pulpit, so Lord, I pray you just be with my mouth, be with my heart, my mind. Lord, help me to say what you want me to, but uh, stop me from saying anything else that shouldn't be said. Lord, I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that uh, your presence would be here. And it's all, I know it's already has been, Lord, but thank you so much, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for this King James Bible. Thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, we just pray that we would focus upon your word tonight, what you have for us tonight. Lord, all the distractions, especially in this world today, help us just to get that out of our minds right now and give you the glory even just for these next few moments. And Lord, we want to give you all the glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here in Acts chapter 20, Paul here, for the most part, is giving his goodbyes. And he's telling them here, look with me in verse 25. And he says right in verse 25, And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. So here in Miletus, and, and he brought people from Ephesus to come uh, to be able to talk to them, he's saying, not only am I going to be leaving this city here, but I'm also going to be leaving the earth. He knew that his time on this earth was limited, his days were numbered, and he would soon be leaving the earth. And he is kind of listing off some things in Acts chapter 20 here, which I believe he wanted people to remember him by. He said, listen, I'm not going to be here. You're not going to see my face anymore. The next time you and I will see each other is up in glory when the Lord comes and takes us home. And he is listing off some things, I believe, here that he wants everybody to remember. He's been preaching to these people for about three years now, and he said, these are some of the things that I want to be remembered by. If you keep your hand here, look at me to James chapter 4. We'll be back to Acts chapter 20, but look at me to James chapter 4, well-known passage of Scripture. And I know we got to be careful not to go in the past and think about different uh, things in our life and, and uh, what kind of inheritance are we leaving behind, what people are going to remember us by. But look at Acts chapter 4, I'm sorry, James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, well-known passage of Scripture, James 4.14 says this, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And Paul knew that, James knew that, pretty much anybody that's close to the Lord knows that our days are short. I mean, you talk about short, I just, I feel like I'm still 17 years old. (laughs) And uh, then I try and do things like a 17-year-old, and then it takes me weeks to recover from that thing. And uh, I think I'm old, amen? And and then uh, everybody else says, no, you're not old. And I say, well, I feel old. But, But James here is saying, it's the truth. Our life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment, and then it just vanishes away. And we all know that. But I want to look at something here. Look at verse 14 again in the beginning. It says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? With a question mark. That's a great question. For what is your life? And that's a great question we could all ask ourselves. What is your life? What's the purpose of your life? If we were to look back, not even just 20 years ago or 30 years ago, if you've been saved that long, uh, I'm talking about just in the past year, two years, three years. If you were to look back and say, what is my life? What is my life? What would be the summary, just a quick summary of what your life has all been about? Because that's what Paul's saying here. I'm going to be gone soon. My life is just about over. And I want you to remember this was what my life was about. And what about us? What would our life be about if people were to give us a summary of our lives? If people were to get up at your funeral and say, this is what I remember this person by, because a lot of times they'll just remember the last year, last three years of your life and say, this is what that person was all about. And you don't have to turn here, but in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, the Bible says there is but a step between me and death. And that's the truth. Just one step could be the last step you take. 
I remember uh, Brother Bickish, he was a missionary to Alaska. We had him in uh, years ago to our missions conference that we were in, and uh, I just remember he was, I think it was a week after that missions conference there in Martville, New York. He had left, was with family, and it was wintertime, I believe. It was slippery, and what we heard was he stepped on a step, the last step he took, and then he slipped, fell backwards, hit his head on uh, the concrete, had internal bleeding in his head, and he passed away. The last thing I remember about him, he had two canes he was walking with. And he was going like this. And he said, uh, you know, people are telling me I need to retire. He's like, I'm going to start one more church out there in Alaska. I don't care what it takes. Nobody else will go, so I'll go. And he's, he had, I mean, his whole back was just deteriorating. And he said, I don't care. I can start one more church. I mean, what, a, what an amazing thing. That's what I remember about him. And that is what legacy, that's what inheritance he left behind. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, I want you to remember my, my life, what it's been all about. Look at me to Proverbs chapter 13. If you can leave your hand in Acts chapter 20. But in Proverbs chapter 13, in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 the Bible says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Now, of course, no doubt God is talking about physical inheritance here for the most part. And he's saying, listen, it's good for you to leave a physical inheritance, not only for your children, but if you can, for your grandchildren. And I know that's hard to do. I mean, I've had family members with sticky fingers in my family where uh, somebody in my family passed away. My, one of my grandmothers passed away many, many years ago, about 15 years ago, I think. My mom was supposed to get half of the inheritance, and that didn't happen because my uncle took everything, okay? I know it's not easy, and probably everybody, everybody has somebody in their family that's like that. And if you don't know you do, you probably will soon, okay? And uh, just somebody with sticky fingers. I've got that going on right now also with another part of my family. But it's a good thing. You should have a 401k if you can. I'm not saying you shouldn't have that kind of stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't prepare for retirement and, and leave up things for people. It's just hard to leave a physical inheritance, land and houses, all that kind of stuff. But you should, but it's hard to do. But you know what I think is more important than a physical inheritance is a spiritual inheritance. Leaving something behind that nobody could take away, no matter how sticky fingers they have, no matter how much they try and maybe uh, put you down or whatever after you're gone, people are going to remember some things about you. And if you leave a good spiritual inheritance, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can do it. Look at me to Acts chapter 20 again. I know we shouldn't look back and dwell on the things in the past. Paul said we're supposed to reach forth, of course, to the mark, prize the high calling of Jesus Christ and all that. But I think it would do well every once in a while to look back in our lives, just in the past year or three years even, and saying, what would my life amount to right now? What kind of inheritance, spiritual inheritance, am I leaving behind that people would remember me by? Would it be a help to others or would it be a hindrance to others? Is it a, 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 a legacy or a memory that would give God the glory or it gives my flesh the glory? Would it uh, make God pleased or it would it make God ashamed in us? And how about, uh, does it please him? Does it please the Lord or not? And that's what we should be asking. Look at Acts chapter 20. Paul here again is listing off, I believe, some things. We're not going to go over all of them. But I believe he's listing off some things he wants people to remember him by. The inheritance or the legacy that he's leaving behind. Look at Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 25. Acts chapter 20, verse 25 again. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face 
no more. Now look at verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Paul said, well, I don't want you to remember me by the money that I had or any of that kind of stuff. I didn't care about your money or trying to get rich or trying to have all these things. The main thing I want you to remember me by is right there in verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. He said, listen, I know grievous wolves are going to come in. They're going to say, oh, your pastor's gone now that he's passed away. And, and uh, the, that, that guy that was always there holding that Bible open and saying, oh, you better stay away from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, you, look, this is why. You better stay away from the Mormons. This is why, according to the Word of God. You better stay away from those Roman Catholics. This is why, because of the Word of God. And he knew that when he's not going to be here anymore, grievous wolves, people are going to come in and say, Yeah, I know that you used to believe that, but, I mean, look at this. You should believe this kind of doctrine, this crazy doctrine. And Paul said, I want you to remember, while I was with you that whole entire time, how I was is that I would open up that Bible and I would commend you to not not only just God, but his word. And that's how you knew what the truth was. And that's the main thing he wanted them to remember him by. Look with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You know, it's one thing to talk the talk, you know. You just say, oh, uh, you could say to your kids, listen, at my funeral, I want you to get up there and I want you to say, I was just all about the Word of God. Boy, the Word of God was just, I always talked about the Word of God. I always read the Word of God. You get up there at my funeral, you just tell everybody that I was all about the Word of God and this was my most important possession. This is the thing that I love the most. Now, if you didn't truly love the Word of God and, and your family, out of everybody that knows you, would know the most if you love that Word of God or not. If they have to get up there and lie for you and say, oh yeah, boy, they love the Word of God, that's terrible. But you know what Paul did? He said, I want you to remember that I was all about the Word of God. This was, this was the loved book in my life. This was the most important thing in my life and I commended you to it. Uh, he not only talked the talk, but he walked the talk. <laughs> Amen. He actually lived the, the, what he was talking about. Look at Acts chapter 17. Look at verse 1. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. It says right there in verse 2, as his manner was. That's just what Paul did. He'd go somewhere and he just, the first thing he'd do is just open that Bible up, the scriptures up, and he just, as his manner was, that was his mannerisms. That's just how, he, how his life was. He'd open up that book and reason with them out of the scriptures. Look at verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and of course he's talking about the Bereans, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. 
So Paul said, listen, the, the most important thing you could do is receive what anybody's preaching with an open mind or what they're saying to you with an open mind, but then open up that word of God and search the scriptures and make sure what they're saying is true. So as he said, don't forget, I always commend you to the word of God. It's the most important thing. He lived it. He lived that word of God. Look at uh, Romans chapter 1. My question to you tonight is, is this book the most important possession you own? You know, Paul said it was for him, and he proved it. What about you? What about when people get up at your funeral? What would they say is the most important thing to you? What, what is your life? What does it amount to? In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 4. Of course, this is all Paul. He's writing all this on the inspiration of, the, of God. And in uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? For of Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He says, listen, it's not by works. It's not by going to church. Can you get saved and go to heaven? It's not by getting baptized. It's not by keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not by keeping the golden rule and all these kinds of things. He says it's only by faith according to the scriptures. And he would open that book up and he'd preach the word of God through the scriptures. Look with me to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. There's no doubt if somebody was at Paul's funeral, you know what they would get up there and say? The most important thing or the most thing that they remember the most would be they would hand open up the scriptures and say this right here was what Paul was all about. That's what his life was about. Romans chapter 9, look at verse 17. Romans chapter 9, verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Again, the scriptures, the scriptures. Look at chapter 10, verse 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Look at chapter 11, verse 2. Let's start in verse 1. 11, chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Talking about Israel. <laughs> There's some crazy people out there that think that the church has taken all of the promises of Israel to the church. <laughs> That's... That's, that's crazy, because it says right here, God forbid, <laughs> for I also am an Israelite to the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew, what ye not, what the scripture saith of Elias. <laughs> so here it says right here, what, what are you, are you stupid? You don't, you don't know what the scriptures say? I mean, it says right there in the scriptures that God has not gotten rid of his people. There's this guy, uh, Stephen Anderson, he's, he's nuts, okay? And uh, he's trying to cause a lot of issues. And you say, has he caused issues where you are? Yeah. <laughs> you say all the way out in Point Hope, Alaska? Yeah. You know what he did? Uh, he had that list of where Sam Gipp was preaching at and stuff like that. Well, Sam Gipp comes out, tries to come out every couple years if he can to Point Hope. And uh, him and Brother Serino are great friends. And a pastor that supports Brother Serino said, listen, you're having him there. You're having Sam Gipp there. And, uh, of course, Brother Serino said, oh, of course. He's, he's a great friend of mine. I love him. And he said, well, we can't support you anymore then if you're going to have him out there. And he said, well, you do what you have to do, Pastor, but we're going to still have him here. And everything that he teaches, everything I've ever heard him preach is straight on. And uh, you know what that is? That's just somebody, a grievous wolf, just coming in and trying to split people up and cause issues. What 
you don't know what the scriptures say? <laughs> and he doesn't. He doesn't rightly divide. He doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. I've dealt with many people with that kind of stuff. I, I've had to put up whole studies and be able to hand out pamphlets to people, not in Point Hope, thank God, but other people that are dealing with that stuff. It's crazy. You say, how do you know what the truth or not is? The scriptures. <laughs> Amen? That's what Paul was all about. Look at me to uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans chapter, I thank God that we have a King James Bible and it clears up any issues. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I mean, you talk, people always say, you guys are just Bible thumpers. All you do is talk about Bible, Bible. When I worked in Syracuse Orthopedic Specialist, uh, between uh, x-raying patients, I'd have this book open, I'd be reading my Bible and things like that, and people would come and ask me questions and things, and, and uh, I'd always bring them to the Bible. I, I'd show them a Bible verse if I could and, and all that. And they say, oh, just can we stop about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible? Just talk to me, you know? And then so I had uh, a bunch of scripture cards, too, that I was memorizing scripture. And so I would put my Bible away, and they would ask me questions, I say, and I'd quote scripture. <laughs> and they say, stop with the Bible. Stop. And I, I'm sorry, you can't, right? I mean, uh, Paul, he said, be followers of me as I am followers of Jesus Christ. If, if you want to be like Christ, if you want to be like Paul, we have to open up that Bible, and that needs to be the main purpose of our life is the Word of God. Look at uh, Romans 16, verse 20, 25. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Scripture, scripture, scripture. You want to know what the gospel is? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and verse 4. I declare unto you the gospel. And then he goes on that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he was buried and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul over and over kept on talking about the scriptures. And again, I believe that if when they had his funeral, if he had a funeral, they got up there and they said that scripture is what, was what his life was all about. And he'd always tell us about the scriptures. And let me just ask you this question. At your funeral, what would people say about you? What your life was? What kind of an inheritance are you leaving behind just in the past few years? You know, I, I've heard of people having funerals where uh, kids of their father or whatever would get up there and they'd have a remote in their hand. <laughs> And they say, boy, I remember Daddy when he'd get home from work, I mean, just working real hard, he'd, he'd get in that lazy boy and he'd just lean back, you know, and go like that. And that was just, that was just after he get home from work, he'd just be on that TV nonstop. He'd fall asleep there, wake up in the morning, go back to work, and praise God he was a hard worker, but boy, this was what he was all about, and throw that in the, in the uh, casket. That'd be a terrible thing for your kids to do that. How about... Uh, <laughs> I've heard about one where a guy gets up there and a younger guy and one of his younger friends passed away and he got up there with a, a Bud Light in his hand and just cracked that thing open. And he said, boy, I'm going to down this here for you because that's all we were all about is just partying nonstop. And he would just down that thing and then put that beer can in there for, for him. That's a terrible thing to be remembered by. That's a terrible thing to leave an inheritance behind of a memory like that. How about sports teams and things? Listen, I like the Bills, amen? <laughs> Too bad they didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at least they didn't make it to the Super Bowl again and then lose again, okay? At least they didn't make it there. I, I'm okay with that, I guess. But, but uh, listen, you know, people, uh, you know, boy, I remember him. He was just all about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was all about getting ready for game day on Sunday. That's all they were all about, listening about the stats and all these kinds of things. And listen, I'm not saying sports are wrong, okay? Definitely not. But uh, is that what you're going to be rem remembered by? Uh, how about 
somebody gets up there and has a cell phone and says this is what they were all about. They're on, they're on that thing nonstop, that cell phone, and put that thing in the casket. Is that what you'd like to be remembered by? Uh, I think about, uh, I like Star Wars. I'd hate for my kid, my, my kids to get up there and say, boy, I'm going to put this Star Wars, these Star Wars movies in the casket for my daddy because that was all he was all about. That'd be terrible. <laughs> Amen? I don't want him to remember that that was the most important thing. You know what I want my son to be able to do is to get up there one day at my casket, have my casket up here, and just have my son get up there with my Bible and be able to say, you know what, my daddy cherished this book. And he loved this book, and I'm going to cherish and love this book as well. You talk about leaving an inheritance. That's worth way more than any land, any house, any 401k you could leave behind. This right here, a spiritual inheritance, is worth way more than any of that. And Paul knew it. And Paul said, don't forget, that's what I was all about. You know, John Huss, many of us know who he was long ago. He lived in the late 1300s and early 1400s. And he believed that that scriptures was the Word of God. And he believed that in all matters of faith and practice, that was his supreme authority. And because of that, the Roman Catholic Church came after him. And the Roman Catholic Church came after him. They, they captured him and they said, listen, you either recant and you say that the Holy Roman Catholic Church is your supreme authority uh, and not the Bible, and you say that the Roman Catholic Church is the only way to heaven and not only through Jesus Christ, or we will burn you to the stake. And he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I believe that that Word of God is my supreme authority. And so what they did was, uh, on his 42nd birthday in Constance, Germany, they tied his hands to a stake, they uh, piled high all the wood right up to his neck, and they had a flaming torch in their hand, and they said to him one more time, they said, listen, you recant right now, or we will burn you alive. And this is actually what he said. This was his response. He said, what I taught with my lips, I seal with my blood. And they took that torch and they threw that torch into that kindling there. And just as the flames were engulfing him, the people that were around remember and, and wrote down that he had just prayed out to his God until he was consumed with that fire and died. You know what kind of inheritance he left behind? It was his love for the Word of God. Everybody that was around him knew what he was all about, and it was the Word of God, just as Paul had. And you know, most likely you and I won't be able to show our love for this book by being martyred and dying. Now, I might be wrong. The Lord might tarry that long, and the, the, the world might get so bad that we might have to die for this book, show our love for this book. We might, but I don't know if that's true. But you know what we could do to show that we love this book? is just to sacrifice our time and be faithful to it every day. That's a big sacrifice many times. Just to find time, to set apart time, to open up this book and read this book every day. And to have our family, our friends, our co-workers see us reading this Word of God, making a sacrifice for the love of that book. You know, maybe you have to sit some things out to be able to get in that book. And sometimes, oh, our family, that's what we're all about. You know, other things that come uh, in play is sometimes trials come our way and we don't open that book. We say, you know what, God, if you're going to allow that to happen in my life or my family's life, I'm not going to open up that book and read that anymore. And trials start to come in, and this is the first thing to go when trials come in. And uh, I remember, just giving you an example, I remember uh, two, two Christmases ago, we were expecting our child, Luke, uh, to be born. He was uh, about 17 weeks, almost 18 weeks in Jennifer's belly. And uh, we were in Point Hope, Alaska, out there in the village, 
And she's had two miscarriages before that, uh, not up to this. Uh, uh, our babies weren't that developed at that time. But uh, he was almost 18 weeks in her belly, and she started bleeding very heavily. And I said, we know what we got to do. We got to go to the clinic right away. And so we got to the clinic there, and they said, of course, there's nothing we can do here. I mean, we don't have, we don't have any nurses. We don't have any doctors. Uh, we got to get her airlifted out of here. And so I said, oh, of course, get, get her out of here. Get the plane in here. And so the, the woman that was there, actually, there's four of her kids that come faithfully to church. And uh, she said, I'm going to do everything I can. So she went in the other room, and you could hear her on that phone just saying, listen, you got to get them out here. She is bleeding. We can't stop the bleeding. Uh, she could lose this baby. We need to get somebody. We need to get that air med back out here. And uh, after a while, she came back in, and she said, they won't do it. They won't bring anybody in. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? we got to get out of here. And, uh, and so she said, I'm going to try the best I can. I'm going to get them here. And so she went back out there. You could hear her yelling at these doctors because she had to get an okay all the way back in Anchorage from doctors there to be able to allow that air med plane to come in. And after 20 minutes of her just yelling, finally she came back and she said, okay, we got the okay. They're going to come in. And they're going to get you out of here. And it was like this huge relief. This, I was like, wow, we're going to get help. And she came back shortly. We're getting all ready to get, to get out there. And uh, she came in and she said, I'm so sorry. The fog has come in and there's no way the plane can come in. And I thought, well, what, what are we going to do? I mean, there's no way we can drive out of here. There's no way we can get any medical help. And they said, there's nothing we can do. We can't, we can't bring any planes in. And at that moment, I thought, I'm going to lose my baby and my wife. I mean, they couldn't stop the bleeding. There was nothing they could do. And all night long, I was just there praying. I had so many people praying, my in-laws, everybody. I said, please pray because I don't know what's going to happen. They can't get her out of here. And then finally, the, the bleeding stopped uh, for the most part. And then in the morning, finally, the, the fog rolled away. And they came in and they said, listen, we're going to be able to get that plane in here and get you out of here. And it was like this huge relief. And we were able to get her out. I wasn't able to go in there with her or Jacob. Uh, a couple hours later, him and I were able to get on a bush pilot plane and go to an hour south to another village that has a hospital called Kotzebue. And we got there. They had already done ultrasound by the time we got there. And they said, listen, there's nothing we can do here either. We don't have the medical uh, know-how here or the, the equipment. And so they said, we're going to have to medevac you again out of here. And so, of course, we get another medevac plane. They medevac us to Fairbanks. And uh, we got there. and We got the emergency room. And the doctor came in. And I said, boy, this is it. They're going to they're gonna take care of, good care of us. That doctor came in. He didn't even look at the ultrasound. He didn't even uh, examine Jennifer at all. And he just said, you know, I read the note of those in Kotzebue. And listen, uh, you might be okay. Why don't you just go back to Point Hope? Go back to the village. I said, what? What are you talking about? She, she just almost bled to death. And he said, no, and so I said, that's it. And so what I did was I called our doctor back in Buffalo that, that were able to have Jacob safely delivered our, our boy. And I said, well, I, I can't bring her back to the village. There's no medical there if something happens again. And he said, get her here now, and we're going to take good care of her. And uh, so I made all the plans, reservations right away. Uh, four planes later, 20 hours later of flying, we got back to Buffalo. And we saw the doctor right away, and he said, we're going to take good care of you. We're going to make sure that we monitor you as closely as we can. And uh, we were able to go home that night. And uh, right that night, she started having heavy contractions. And so we called uh, 911. The ambulance came. We went to Children's Hospital. 
and uh, for a day and a half, she was having heavy contractions. She was, towards the end, she was passing out because she was losing so much blood. You know, if we would have went back to Point Hope, she probably would have died. And, uh, and I'm so thankful that we got there. And, uh, and she's having so many contractions. There was three doctors, four nurses there. And uh, they're trying to get her blood pressure up because they couldn't get her blood pressure up. And right then and there, the doctor said, uh, the baby's coming. The baby's coming. And uh, right then and there, Jennifer said, oh, God, no, please, no. And it was like there was nothing I could do. And, of course, our baby was born. Luke was born. And uh, he couldn't survive outside the womb. But we were able to hold him for about 40 minutes with his heart beating. And I just, looking at my, I couldn't even hold him. Everybody else was holding him. And I just, I just saw him. And I said, I can't hold him. That's my baby. I can't hold him. And, uh, you know, I say all that to say this, that, you know, my wife went through all that, and we lost her son. I remember going through, we were, we were having our funeral for him and, and uh, uh, getting something for the casket, and I looked at these toys and stuff, and I just lost it in Walmart. You know, I just said, th- these were the toys that I would have loved to play with my boy. And uh, so I got something to put in the casket with him and things like that. I say all that to say this. For two weeks, I didn't open up this book. I'm just being honest with you. For two weeks. Never done that before. I just said, Lord, if you're going to do that, how could I open up this book and read this book? I mean, I went to church and I did all that, and I knew that was the right thing to do. And I said, Lord, I, I need to get right. I know I do, but I just can't open up this book. And I was on the verge of quitting, quitting on God. But God showed me this. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says this, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That's where I was at. I was just about ready just to walk away from Jesus Christ. And then in verse 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, from that moment, I just knew. I said, Lord, who am I going to go to? Am I going to go to my previous father, the devil, who would, all he wants is to kill my family, destroy and steal every happiness that I could ever have or any joy or anything. He just wants to destroy my life. I'm going to go back to him. Why would I go back? I'm going to go to the world. I'm not going to go to any of that. I'm going to go to you, Lord, because you have the words of eternal life. And from that moment on, I said, Lord, I knew this before and I know this now more than ever. You are always right and you're always good. I might not know why God took our son Luke and had my wife go through all that again and and everything that we went through, but this I know, God is always good and God is always right. And you know what I want to leave my family and those that are around me with as an inheritance is that I love this book and I never gave up. And you know, you and I are going to go through probably many more trials and tribulations and, and things like that. And you know how we can show our love for this book is just be faithful to it no matter what we go through. And saying, Lord, you got the words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? Am I going to go? Listen, Christians fall away all the time for much less. And we need to say, you know what? I want my family, my friends, everybody to remember this is the inheritance I'm leaving behind to them. God is always good and God is always right. Look at Acts chapter 20. I know the time here. I'm almost done. Acts chapter 20. What kind of inheritance are you leaving behind? Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I see about Paul here? He always would go and just keep, every time he'd open up his mouth, it would always be about Jesus Christ. Always about Jesus Christ. You know what I believe he's saying here? I, not only do I want you to remember that the Word of God was so important to me, and I love that book, and I always commend you that book, but I want you to remember that I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, how do you know you love the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, that's all he would talk about. You ever have a, a mother or a, a grandmother that has a, a boy or a girl or, or a grandson or granddaughter, and all they talk about is the kids? <laughs> when I used to work at SOS, I worked with some ladies, and uh, every day you'd come in and you'd be like, okay, i got to get myself prepared. <laughs> I'm going to see another picture of the grandchild, or I'm going to see another picture of the baby, or, oh, they're, they just had a baby, I was going to see the baby. And I don't know about you guys, but many babies that are just born, they look like, they look weird. They look like aliens, okay? I mean, my, my kids didn't, of course, okay? But, but everybody else's does. I can only look at those pictures so many times. And just talking about them, you know, look at, you know, and like, yeah, that's great, you know? And, uh, and you know what that is? That's, they just, they're talking and talking and talking about them. Same thing with my mom. She always says, and people I talk to, your mom always talks about you guys, you know? It's because she loves me, and she loves my wife, and loves our family, our kids. It's who you love is who you're going to be talking about all the time. And Paul said, listen, I want you to remember when I'm gone, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that because of how much he talked about Jesus Christ. It was always about Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, when I go to you, we might talk about other things, sports and all these other things. But the most important thing, I would say, wait, wait, wait. I want to know right now. Jesus Christ died. He was crucified for you, for your sins. Have you received him as your Savior? And that was what Paul was all about because he loved the Lord. You know, in 1972, in China, a two-year-old boy fell from a table. And uh, his mother went and got him and took him to the hospital. It was so bad. And the doctor came in and said, I'm sorry, your child cannot talk ever again. It's not going to be able to move any part of his body ever again. You're going to have to take care of that child 24-7. Either that or get nurses that would be able to come in and take care of your child. And she said, well, there, there's no way. We can't pay for our child. We don't have the, the money to be able to bring all these nurses. And the doctor said, well, it's either that or you do it yourself. And so she did probably what most other mothers would do. And uh, she took that child and she took care of that child 24-7, over and over and over. And you know what she did? She would strap her son to her back so that his head was over here. And so every daily task that she had, everywhere she would go to the market, he would be able to go with her like he had a life. So she, he wasn't just on his bed and, and not have any kind of life, and she would just be doing that. And by 2002, May of 2002, the mother was 65 years old and weighed only 88 pounds while her son weighed 180 pounds. You know what she was doing? She was still putting that child, her son, on her back. And these journalists got to her when they heard about this in 2002. And at that time, she was laid up in her bed with a broken ankle because she had her son, couldn't take it anymore, and broke her ankle when she fell. And they said, what are you going to do when you get out of the bed? And she said, I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to get my son, put him on my back, and keep going. And she, they said to her, well, how can you do it? Isn't he so heavy? And she said, listen, he's not heavy, he's my son. You know what that is? That's a love. And you know, it might, it might seem like a burden to talk about Jesus Christ sometimes to other people. It might be a burden to read the Word of God sometimes and take the time. But I can guarantee you, if you love Jesus Christ and your love is more and more every day, you're going to love reading that Word of God. It's not going to be a burden anymore. 
you're going to say, listen, it's a joy. Just like for her, it was a joy to take care of her son. It should be a joy for us to come to church. It should be a joy for us to read that book, to pray, to witness and tell people about Jesus Christ because we've got a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, when we get to that point where we don't and it becomes such a burden, then we better check and say, Lord, my love is dwindling somehow. Get it right. Get my heart right. And you know, the last thing I want you to see here, and we'll be done. Look at Acts chapter 20. Paul said, I want you to remember that I love that word of God. I love my Savior, Jesus Christ. And lastly here, look at uh, Acts chapter 20. And look at verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, and knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me, neither I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to end here. You know what Paul wanted to be remembered by? Is that he finished his course. He finished. And you know why he, I believe he did that? Is because he knew Jesus Christ was coming back. He knew he was going to see him face to face. Because that's all he talked about. It's about Jesus Christ coming back and seeing him face to face. He said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, For our conversation is in heaven, for whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I mean, over and over, he said, the Lord's coming back, the Lord's coming back. I want to be faithful. And that's how we should be, and that's how we should want to be remembered, that we're being faithful. You know, I can see God, when we get up to heaven one day, and if you're saved, and you get up to heaven, he just takes us by the hand and says, listen, I want you to come over here. And he shows us, of course, our mansion and all that, but he takes us to the throne room. And he shows us the multitudes of people of all kindreds, of all tongues, of nations and everything that are saved and singing glory to Jesus Christ. He's going to say, you see those people out there? See that one, that one, that one there you witnessed to, that one right there you had gospel track to, that one right there, it's because you were faithful until the end. That person got saved, that person, they're singing glories to me. And then over here, you see those people and you say, I don't remember who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't recognize them. He's going to say to us, you know, that was because you sent out that missionary out there, that foreign field. That's because you prayed for that missionary over there. They're here singing glory to me for eternity. And they're not in hell. They're in heaven today because of that. And you know what that is? That is a spiritual inheritance that you didn't just leave here on the earth, that we're leaving in heaven. That right there is worth way more than any kind of physical inheritance we could leave behind to our kids. And you know what I believe that is? is just being faithful to the very end and doing what God has told us to do. So let me ask you this question. What kind of an inheritance are you leaving behind? What kind of spiritual inheritance are you leaving? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time we've been able to have. And thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Thank you for Paul being a great example, the greatest example, Lord, other than Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be found faithful until the very end, to finish our course, and be able to lay up an inheritance not just here on the earth, but in heaven of course, to give you honor and glory, for that's why we were created. Lord, help us to, Lord, love this book so much that we would be faithful to it no matter what. And help us to love you and have such a love for you that we can endure anything and that we would be faithful until the end. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.